you're listening to episode 16 of the Paper Change Marketing Bootcamp podcast. Today's episode is designed to inspire you. It's for people thinking, what do I want to do next in my career? What's the next step that's right for me? I am delighted to welcome Professor Steve Madden, Director of Public Health from Swindon Borough Council on the show to share some brilliant advice on how to take the next steps and and how to pursue the career that you want. Steve is an old timer in social marketing. Sorry about that, Steve. He's been around as long as I have. And we first met together on the Social Marketing Network. And since then, he's taken some fantastic decisions that have led him to the top of the tree. So we are really grateful to have him on the show and just to share some of his thinking and really help inspire and motivate people to just go for it and take those next steps. You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. Good morning. Um, we're delighted to welcome here Steve Madden. Steve is Professor Steve Madden, our Director of Public Health at Swindon Borough Council. And Steve is here this morning to inspire us all into the next stage of our careers. But also just want to say that Steve and I met about 10 years ago in the social marketing network across the Southwest. So I know what an expert Steve is and how just how much experience he has in delivering social marketing, but of course, as well as the wider portfolio of public health. So Steve, very, very, very big, huge, huge welcome. Please, can I pass it over to you to say hello? Hi, Ray. Thank you. Delighted to be here. And I think, uh, yes, it has been about 10 years since we first met. And that social marketing network across the Southwest was really fantastic to show a range of professionals coming together, both from public health and comms backgrounds, because we know that we had to work in a, a united way to help to protect and improve the health of the people living in the Southwest. Yeah, thank you, Steve. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Social marketing was fairly new. And actually, it's not just sort of marketing in the public sector. It is, like you said earlier, applying an evidence-based approach to marketing and very much and the science. So, Steve, I know how amazing you are at all of this. So would you kindly share some examples that you have delivered? Yeah. So I think across the years, as, as you mentioned, Ruth, we always describe public health as being an art and a science. So the science is the evidence base, which we see coming stronger and stronger, particularly through how we manage comms now. But the art is very much where communications professionals and public health professionals can come together to influence behavior change. Across my time in public health, and where, where I'm clocking up around about 15 years now, I've done a wide range of campaigns and other behavior change programs to help to influence change. I think some of the core ones that come to my mind earlier in my career is very much something like the big pledge campaign that we did, which was we ran it across Wiltshire. It was a legacy program off the back of the Olympics. And the whole idea was to inspire and encourage people to become physically active through a physical activity challenge but was aimed at getting those people that were active to be more active and those people that were inactive to become active and then to continue that as a legacy in itself. So that was a phenomenal campaign that ran across three or four years. 
in my time in Wiltshire. And we saw really good uptake of that. And what it did was it did create a degree of community spirit, but also then inspired people to get active and keep active. And I think coming up to something more modern now, as we are currently managing a pandemic, I think some of the work we've been doing, particularly around the Swindon, it's up to all of us campaign, which is really a call to action for our residents around protecting themselves as a way of protecting each other and getting our residents to understand the impact of their actions on health and social care services, either directly or indirectly. And between those campaigns, there's been a myriad of other things I've been involved with, from sexual health to smoking to sun safety, which have all had a degree of marketing, social marketing in particular, but also utilizing things like social norming, which I think is really important as well. So getting people to understand how some of their health behaviors are not in line with what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So yeah, you whispered the magic word social norming there, a huge powerful tool in behavior change. But I was just interested then just to What's the COVID campaign you're running? Can you say the name so again? So the COVID campaign we're running at the moment, which we have done for pretty much the last year, is called Swindon. It's up to all of us. Swindon, so again, it's up to all of us. Okay. Yeah. Go on, please do share a little bit more about that one. That's intriguing. Yeah. So again, what we were seeing in Swindon at the start of the pandemic was very much that degree of community transmission. And we felt that we needed to have, obviously, to use the national communications messaging, but we wanted something specific for our Swindon residents that they would recognize that also they would then understand that the messages were tailored towards them. So that's why we had the Swindon is up to all of us campaign initiated, which is really important in highlighting to people how they need to look after themselves and each other's in their community. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So I do remember the big pledge one that was inspiring because it had such a community growth. You know, it was really driven. It was a real social campaign before the social media explosion, really. So very much ahead of its time. And the use of micro commitments to get people to make small changes every day and become part of something bigger was fantastic. And then, of course, then you're owning the social norms narrative. You're kind of resetting what the social norm is about being active in that community. Yeah, that one I always remember. I don't know why, but when you go through your career, you do just, there are some that always, when you're thinking, okay, what's the next campaign? I need some creative input here. That is one I always draw on. And it's definitely because of the network. And we had the opportunity to share with each other what we were doing. And I think that we got to meet face to face, didn't we? Which was, of course, not possible at the moment. But it just goes to show that it doesn't matter really what stage you are at your career. Everyone could take something from that sharing of the learning. And I know there's been a lot of that with the COVID campaigns going on as well. Just to kind of add to what you're saying about you don't have to be in a senior level position to be able to to reap the learning from these types of campaigns. And I think something like the Big Pledge campaign was a real example of that because year one wasn't a very successful campaign for us and it nearly ended up in the bin. But we did decide that we would persevere and it did grow and it did develop across the years to becoming a really effective campaign. So I suppose the advice there is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but be very led by the information that you're getting around your campaigns and use it as an opportunity to grow, develop and, and, and build the campaigns as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's such brilliant advice because testing and learning and refining should be a core part of the campaign. And there is a lot of pressure for everyone to deliver excellent campaigns, especially during, you know, 2020. There was a need for almost immediate campaigns to appear out off the shelf type thing and a lot of pressure to get it right first time. But as you say, campaigns actually do need time to grow. And they do need time to land and for brands to become real and, you know, to actually infiltrate the noise, the the marketing noise that is out there at the moment is just incredible. So that's lovely advice because I do think there's a lot of pressure on people to get it all right first time. And being able to use the insight from your audience is fantastic to grow it. So we had a lovely question for you, Steve. And it's about imagine you're doing your TED Talk on leadership which I'm really hoping you do one day because it's a fantastic career journey that you've had. And what is the one message that you would share with someone who was a couple of steps behind you? So whether they're public health professional or they've been delivering marketing um, in for public health, you know, when they're looking to maybe centralize a little bit more and you just wanted to reach down and take their hand and get them to the rise to the next level, what bit of advice would you give them? I think the main advice that I give to people when they ask me about career advancement is say yes to all opportunities. I think through my career, I have been fortunate to be in some positions where actually I've been offered an opportunity which I could have quite easily have said no to, but then decided actually I'd say yes. So I look back and I think, well, I took the step from working in the NHS to go into local authority on a three-month contract. And I know my mum at the time thought I was mad. Why would I leave a full-time permanent job to go into a three-month contract? But I just felt it was the right step for me in my career. And then there are other examples across the last few years where I've had the opportunity to do things, whether they've been self-generated opportunities or whether they've been offered to me, like doing my master's in public health, for example, knowing that actually if I wanted to advance in my career, a master's in public health would be really fundamental to that. So that was an opportunity that was offered to me in the workplace I was in and thought, absolutely, I do want to progress in public health and this is how I'm going to go and do it. Yeah, I think, Steve, and like you say, that Masters in Public Health is pretty fundamental, isn't it? When you want to get to the next level in public health. How long ago did you do that? So that for me now is around nearly 10 years ago. So I started my Masters in 2009, just off the back of the swine flu pandemic, which didn't turn oh, wow. into the headache that we've had with COVID. But again, it was a great opportunity. It was part funded, so it wasn't a free opportunity but I could see the great value. I was still relatively new to public health at that time. I didn't know where my career was going to go. And I kind of thought that having a public health master's would be like a passport to whether I wanted to pursue a career in public health or whether I wanted to do other things. So I didn't have a previous degree. So for me, it was a huge gamble to think whether I could go in at master's level. And I had to work hard, obviously, as anyone on the master's program did. But it, um, it really did set the foundation for for the rest of my career to date. And that's amazing, Steve. So congratulations, because that's a huge, that's a really courageous step forward. Have you got any advice for anyone who's considering what their next qualification needs to be? And they're thinking, how do I balance it with work? And then the academic requirements to that are often asked of the course, even in marketing courses, where perhaps not as heavily academic as a master's in public health, but still, you know, there's a huge balance there to be made. Any tips? Can you cast your mind back? I think anyone considering a course does absolutely need to consider how that will fit into their 
kind of their, their wider lives because it isn't just about work, is it? It's about how it impacts on family members or partners or or pets or whoever's in your life. I was very fortunate at the time that I did my master's. I was young, single, living in a house share. So actually, I was very much the master of my own time and destiny. But also on my course were people that had multiple children and pets and complex lives, but still managed to be successful. I think anyone that's looking to advance their career should very much be thinking about potential qualifications of the roles that they aspire to. I never aspired to be a director of public health when I first joined public health, but I knew that if I wanted to head into the senior ranks, then I would need a master's. I think People are probably best advised to balance up the what is nice to do versus what is needed to do. There are always going to be a wealth of learning opportunities which are nice to do. And if you're in a stable part of your career and you want to do things because you're interested in them, that's fantastic. But if you are looking at career advancement, I think, again, the important thing is thinking about how do I get to where I want to go and what qualifications or courses do I need to do to get there? Yeah, that's fantastic advice, Steve. And for anyone who's not sure if they want to go the whole hog in the master's, there are actually lots of free short courses in public health through Bristol University for anyone who's worked within a public health department. Yeah, not everybody needs to aspire to do a master's and not everybody needs to aspire to be public health specialists or consultants or even directors of public health. I think the key thing is about being very comfortable that in the role that you're in, that you are remaining on top of the knowledge within your field so that you can do the best you can do in the job that you want to do. Some people don't want to aspire to be greater things, and that's absolutely fine. But I think people should aspire to be the best they can be in the job that they can do. That may mean formal education and learning like the master's. It could be informal learning, as we've already talked about, Ruth, like the networks we belong to, where actually you gain a lot of knowledge and insight just from learning what other people have done their successes, their pitfalls, and then how you apply that to what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely advice, Steve. Thank you so much. And it's kind of like we always ask a question at the end saying, how, what makes you your best self? But it's almost similar to that, isn't it? It's being your best at work, at what level you show up and how, for how far you can take it forward. And I, I think it is lovely for me. I know COVID's just been horrendously horrible. There's not enough words really to capture the impact on everyone at so many different levels. and But one positive that for me that I have seen is that communications and marketing, public health are probably closer knit than ever, working a lot closer together, a lot more understanding between the professional disciplines and the interest in behavioral science has just exploded. For good or for bad, I kind of get, you know, it's had a lot of criticism as well. And not everything has worked, but you can't deny that the interest is there and the willingness to perhaps understand the audience is definitely there. And actually, because things didn't always work, the importance of understanding the audience and not just rushing ahead has really been, you know, been highlighted. Have you noticed that yourself? Have you experienced that during, I mean, I know we're calling it COVID recovery. It doesn't feel that way, but, you know, during the pandemic risk, emergency response and this sort of second stage. Yeah, absolutely. I think what we need to recognize is that we have moved away from the old school thoughts of health education. It isn't about 
health professionals or public health professionals telling you what to do because we know actually that generally doesn't work and the, and the science tells us that. What we've seen across COVID is actually we, yes, from a Swindon level, we did have our Swindon campaign, but it did need to be tailored to all levels of our community. Across Swindon, we have around about a 15% of our communities that would identify themselves as coming from a Black, Asian or minority ethnic background. So we had to very much tailor our campaign messaging, one for a generic wide scale audience, but then also to nuance it based on the sub communities that we had. Swindon has a rich community and we speak over 40 different languages. So we need to be Mm. very mindful on how we tailored that. Behavioural science is more important than ever. And I think this has shown the evolving and the advancement of public health. So it isn't just a leaflet and a poster telling you what to do. It's actually taking the insights from the communities and the people you want to influence and then using that along with the data and the science to be able to develop that campaign. And I know from our local authority perspective, that's more important than ever that we've done away with the whole concept of the what are we trying to do? We're trying to raise awareness. Well, what does that actually mean? What we do do when we look at our campaigning, particularly around COVID as well, is we look at what those success measures look like. And if we aren't meeting those success measures or those outcomes, then we we review, we refresh and we adapt the campaign to make sure that it's achieving what we want to do. We know that resource in public health, but also through communications and marketing teams can be stretched. So we want to work in as smart a way as possible to make sure that we're achieving what we need to achieve. And I think, again, this is an evolution. We're still on this road to developing. Not everybody's quite there yet, but we'll get there. And that's the wonderful elements of the advancing around the around behavioral science, but also around the art of making campaigns resonate with the people we're trying to influence. Yeah. And like you say, it is an art form and sometimes it can look brilliant on paper, but it's actually all down to the execution. And what on campaign that works somewhere might not work in another geography, literally down to because the execution is different. And do you remember when social marketing first came on the scene, the golden rule was if you can't measure it, don't do it. And that just sounds so simple, but people will still get very, very, very busy with huge, big, long comms plans, none of it measured, and actually create so much work. And it's really hard to say, if I can't measure it, I won't do it, and then turn around to senior stakeholders or senior management, say, we can't measure it, so we can't do it. And I think in COVID, it really showed the importance of that rule because actually we didn't know if we couldn't measure it, we don't know that we're not widening health inequalities or actually we're creating the opposite behavior change to what we think we're doing. So if you don't measure it, you don't know the impact and then you don't know if you need to stop it or you don't know if you need to grow it. Yeah, measuring and evaluation are really fundamental and being able to have those honest conversations around that. And as I said, it it does come back to this journey that we're on, both as public health and comms professionals, to be able to have those honest conversations. Because I know that as a director of public health, I always feel quite rattled if a team member says to me that they want to do a campaign to raise awareness. Well, yeah, so what? What's that actually going to achieve? For me, any of the work that we do around communications has to be about trying to invoke a degree of action or nudging people to change their behaviors. So raising awareness of something is fine. It's not actually really measurable. But actually, there are other things we can do as part of our campaign planning that 
are measurable, which allow us to then appropriately review what we're doing and change direction if we need to. I think that's really key. Yeah. Oh, Steve, it must be lovely working with you and your team planning campaigns. What a great environment to work in. So thank you so much for your advice. I think there's some wonderful advice that you've given there to help people focus. Um, A lot of people that come through the behavior change marketing training ask me, follow up and ask me what more formal qualifications can I do? Our training is very peer-based. You know, it's about literally it's called boot camp because it's a deep dive. It's like, yeah, we have no time, but we need to know this. Let's just get it on and do it. But people are looking to grow and perhaps move into more senior management do look for more formal qualifications. And actually, it's really hard. You, It's such a huge investment and deciding which way to go can be quite difficult. So thank you for your advice on that. I know it will really be appreciated. And actually, I'm going to use it when next time, if that's okay, because people ask me, I think, well, Steve said. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So two questions we always ask at the end are, what makes you your best self? So Steve, when are you happiest? And when do you most spread some love? What makes me my happiness? To be honest, I think knowing that I am making a difference, I think it all becomes quite formal and quite stiff-collared when we talk about the Director of Public Health as a statutory responsibility to protect and improve the health of the population. But for me, that's exactly what I want to do. So if I know that I'm able to make a change in someone's life about protecting them or improving their health so that they have a better quality of life and can live longer, happier and healthier, then I feel like I'm doing my job. I think what also contributes to me being my best self is the people around me. So I'm in awe of the wonderful team that I have around me to help me do the job that I need to do and that I can help by providing direction and leadership to them to help them to deliver the job that they need to do. Oh, that's brilliant, Steve. That's fantastic. I love the way you described Director Public Health there as well. It really made it very real. I think you're right. The words public health now do come with some connotation on seriousness, just simply because of the seriousness that we've been seeing ourselves in. So the final question is, what book would you recommend? So it may not come as a surprise to recommend this book, but it is one that I've been very fond of uh, since it was originally published, I think in around 2008. So the book is called Nudge, which is by Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein, and is a really fundamental text around how we nudge people into making better lifestyle choices. And ultimately, it's about trying to make lifestyle, better lifestyle choices, the easy choice. But what the book does very much uncover is what's needed from a a government level in regard to nudging people around policy. But it's also then how we then translate that at local level using behavioral science to nudge people to make more better informed choices around some of their health behaviors. So a real core text, I think, and, and translates both for public health professionals, but also comms professionals as well. Yeah, that's a brilliant one. Thank you, Steve. Really popular. And it is the classic because it is so good. And I think you're right. I think comms professionals would love it because it shows that it's not just about the comms. Comms should be part of something rather than, you know, just simply words on a page. And it really does show the importance of the environment and all of the other determining factors. And I love it when there's examples in there of changing people's behaviors that don't even involve any communications. And that at the end of the day is the best marketing in the world. And yet there was no posters or leaflets at all. (laughs) It's so refreshing. (laughs) 
So thank you so much for your time, Steve. Really appreciate you coming on Bootcamp. I look forward to watching your campaign and I hope you and your team stay stay safe and well in Swindon and survive the winter, the coming months. Thanks, Ruth. Appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure to be here this morning. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. We'll leave you with Ruth's favorite quote from Alice in Wonderland. I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. Got a favorite quote about the magic of change? Tell us over at the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp group on LinkedIn. Join us for a Mad Hatter's Tea Party, virtually. 